0: You're listening to the PBE Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the feed on Spotify, Pocket Casts, Anchor, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You don't want to miss any great audio content from the pro baseball experience. Now let's get on with today's show.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number two of the Panda Podcast. I am your host. GM PM Shram of the Buffalo Surge here in the professional baseball experience. And joining me today are two of my teammates. One, a major league, not quite all-star, but up-and-comer who is definitely going to take the lead by storm in maybe less than a season, maybe a little bit more. Just needs to get the equipment purchased, and I think he's going to be ready to really start dealing out of the stopper position in our bullpen. Mr. CJ South, thank you for being here.
2: Uh, my pleasure. And we Go again.
1: <laughs> yeah, and in addition, we have an up-and-coming, super-hot prospect, first-round draft pick, Mr. Mio Hooper. Mio, how are you today? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We've already talked with CJ South uh, in a previous episode of the Panda Podcast, but this is your first time on the show, so I want to extend my gratitude for you being here and joining us today on this Sunday afternoon. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, first of all, how how should I address you? Do you go by Mio, uh, or uh, do you have a different nickname or, or uh, personal name you want me to use?
0: Mio's good. I use Mio for pretty much everything, so... Mio is
1: perfect perfect all right Mio. so uh since you are a newcomer on the podcast uh i'd just like to get your input uh first of all on your player and tell me a little bit about the backstory of uh your player uh and what uh you're trying to emulate as far as uh what you're trying to accomplish here in the pbe
0: yeah sure no Mm -hmm. uh Mia Hooper uh, is coming out of a little small town out of Ironton, Minnesota, just up north in the Iron Range. Um, you know, kind of just came in. He want, I'm kind of emulating more of your taller, lankier flamethrowers, you know, the Tyler Glass now, Hunter Green style. Um, just really want to kind of do the best I can to help team rather than, I mean, strikeouts are always huge and awesome to see every game, but it's the W and, you know, the ERA that really help each game. So that's kind of where I'm kind of focusing my, my TPE is just to try to make it really kind of be a, the most innings burning I can get. Okay, great.
1: And tell me what team you currently play for.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm right now, I'm just in, in the rotation with the uh, Puerto Rico Ranas right now. The okay. minors.
1: Great. So why don't you tell me a little bit about the minor league uh, experience for your player? Uh, but before you go into that, I just want to say, you mentioned that you are from a small iron town in Minnesota. Now, uh, I'm from Wisconsin myself, and I have an ear for such things. Do I hear the tw- uh, twang of a little bit of northern accent in you uh, in you there, Mio?
0: Yes, absolutely. Born and raised Minnesota. Okay. So you're going to hear it unlike anything with an O or like bag, I think bag we get laughed at quite oh, yeah. a bit. Oh
1: yeah, bagels and bags. Um, um, yeah, yep. You can bet your boat don't on you that know? One. You can bet your boat on that one, Derek, Don't you know? So, uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So that's great. So, so tell me a little bit about Mio Hooper, uh, his experience in the minor league of the professional baseball experience, and getting uh, and the and the first season that you had uh, leading up to and into the draft.
0: Um, it's been a blast. Um, you know, you really get a lot of I mean the draft is always like one of my favorite parts you know getting scouted and kind of seeing where your guy falls and all that the first year was rough I mean I'm kind of going that longer flamethrower build so I knew right away the first season or two was going to be kind of rough just trying to catch up because it's a slower build but I mean it went three and 12 the first year like a 5-6 ERA um and then this year I'm at five and three with a three six. So you can kind of tell that Karen currently starting to make that turnaround. Um but it's been a blast. You know, we've we the Ron isn't playing really good. We're you know, pushing the top of the standings right now and trying to hold on to that going in, and then just recently getting the all star nod, which was really kind of cool. So that's a first as well.
1: Definitely. That's awesome. Now, uh, I want to continue hearing a bit about your player and, and, uh, and more about that, too. But at the same time, I want to be respectful to our other guests, uh, CJ. Uh, CJ, when you were previously on the, po- uh, the Panda podcast, we talked a little bit about your player and who you were trying to emulate. But we didn't really talk about your minor league seasons. Uh, do you want to elaborate a little bit into what the minor league experience of the professional baseball experience was for your player? I think you're out there, but you got the mute button on there, uh, CJ. Okay, well.
2: Oh, yep. Sorry. That's all uh, good. So, I, I know you're
1: using your phone now, and it's a little bit different than you were doing last time. So technical issues are to be expected, but we can hear you now. So please. Don't. Yes. So I
2: played for the Swifties. Okay. Or not the Swifties. Why do I call them that? The Steeds. Yes. Right. So. Uh, Bees was really my first mentor to me, and a lot of what he did was kind of what I learned and put into kind of baseball because before I joined this league, I wasn't really uh, a fan. I wouldn't say I wasn't a fan, but I wasn't the expert at baseball, so he kind of helped me there. And we had, I think we had a season where we almost didn't make the playoffs. No, almost make the playoffs, but we were like, One game away and the next season I think we were I don't think we made the playoffs so unless I am wrong Mm -hmm. so um you know the minor league experience is something that you really do need and I know people are like let me go to the PBE but no you really do need a minor league experience because not only do you um get to see what the league is like but it helps with your development and it helps with making more mistakes because this, because if you make mistakes sooner, you can correct them when you get to the main level. So, yeah, I, when I was pretty devastated when they told me I could, I, I should stay down in the minor league. I think it was a season before I came up, but I understood why and, and, you know, I was fine with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I agree 100%. Previously to GMing for the Buffalo Surge, I was a minor league GM, and I learned a lot there as well. And I think it's a critical part of the environment of the professional baseball experience, because in order to truly cultivate and allow new users especially to grow into the league and begin meeting people and understanding how everything works, a small... A small environment is critical because it can seem very daunting at first. You know, you make a player and there's all these different ways to earn TPE and there's this forum that's complicated at first. and You don't know where to go to get anything and uh, what kind of equipment can I buy and, and what are these rules and what do I do? And in the minor leagues, the stakes are much lower because... it's not, not to say that it doesn't matter, but by, I'm not trying to imply that by any stretch of the imagination. It, it it of course matters. It's important to the players that are there. It's important to the GMs that are there. They're working hard. It's important to the, uh, front office that are running the league. You know, it's, it's important, but the primary thing that's important about the minor leagues is to allow new users to grow and make those mistakes in an environment where, you know, you don't get dinged, uh, you know, a bunch of money if, if you make a mistake or if you uh, accidentally forget to update, you know, now all of a sudden you have to worry about, you know, am I going to get re-signed and, and things like that. And a lot of the times your first player, you're making so many mistakes, you're still figuring things out, you don't know how to use the updater tool, and then you don't have any money for your player and you're stuck and then you can just toss that player out and make a new one and uh, there's no problem doing so. You know, there's not a team that you're necessarily, uh, you know, committed to, to breaking their heart because you can only stay in the minor leagues for a certain number of seasons anyway. And if you only have so much TPE and you're not good in the majors, sometimes it's a good idea in the minors to, you know, toss out the old player, create a new one and, and start over. Uh, as a GM, I saw that all the time. Somebody would come up to me and say, you know, uh, SRAM, I'm really sorry, but you know, with all that you've taught me about how to update and how to use the tool and, and what I'm doing now and where to allocate my TPE, uh, I I think I want to start a new player and and I say, you know what? That's great because that means I did my job as a minor league GM. I taught you how to play. You want to be serious about it now and you're going to go back, recreate and do it right. And that's really what it's all about. I think especially, uh, Mio, any, any thoughts?
0: No, I, I, I fully agree. I mean, um, I like, I had experience coming in, so I did the, I have been in the SHL for you know, a year or two now, so it's kind of the same way. You know, updates and all that stuff. So getting that experience in the minors, really kind of seeing how each update really affects your performance going forward, really kind of helps you learn that. So when you get in the majors, you really kind of have an idea, you know, that the updates are pretty important and how you know how you want to go about it and and how you react with other players and all that stuff. So the interactions always good to get that minor league experience first
1: absolutely so let's dial back a little bit and talk about your player uh mio so many people i talked to an in interview on not just this podcast the panda podcast but my previous podcast the uh it, it was the um lemur cast uh for the louisville lemurs obviously uh many people i talked to and i and i interviewed them about their player a lot of folks had an image in their mind of who they wanted to create uh, in the league. For example, they say, I really liked, uh, you know, so-and-so player. The first one coming to mind is Andrew McCutcheon, which is another uh, person we draft, uh, Mr. Kuhlman. Uh, He had his player render as Andrew McCutcheon and and he plays in the outfield and he was really excited about that. Is there anybody that you had in mind while uh, making your player, uh, Mio?
0: Yeah. Um, Obviously I went with the render for Tyler Glasnow um and that's kind of the way I'm going with the build too kind of more of a flamethrower uh, strikeout you know kind of have more of a tall lankier look to him um that's usually that's kind of where I'm going with it um obviously without the injuries it would be big but yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think Tyler Glasnow is probably where I've been focusing kind of how I want my guy to be in the league, you know, top strikeouts, um, good fastball and a lot of good movement and really help, um, more of the whip kind of keep the whip down a little bit. So you're not, you know, going only about five innings, you want to kind of keep that pitch count down.
1: Definitely. So, uh, Tyler Glasnow is kind of who you had in mind. So is, is that the, is that the team you root for? Is there anybody, did he play for the twins?
0: he did not unfortunately i wish he did um you no know, i i would say i'm probably about a 50 50 split with the twins and the mariners are nice. my top two teams um so i guess if you really wanted to you can kind of a an image would be logan gilbert for seattle would be about the same um type of player as glass now i think glass has got a little bit more of you know speed on the fastball than um gilbert does so but yeah, that's pretty much the same thing. But yeah, Twins and Mariners are my two teams for baseball.
1: Okay, that's an interesting uh, split there. What uh, I, I obviously get the Twins, but what what do you like about the Mariners?
0: Oh, um, I just like the way that they they've been going about their system, um, how they've kind of worked their their minor league system and how they're producing and um, really building, bringing up a good farm system. Now, Twins do the same thing. There's not a lot of huge trades the Twins do. They really like to build from within and then acquire a couple pieces here and there. I'm more of that kind of style. I don't like the the go-out-and-buy-all-the-best-players-you-can-spend-as-much-money-as-you-can kind of teams. So, yeah, I just gravitated towards the Mariners. Um, I was a big Griffey fan. Um, Brandy Johnson, Edgar Martinez, they were all kind of big when I was growing up. So kind of always just had that Mariners feel and just stuck with them and the twins.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's definitely not a Dodgers or a Yankees fan then, huh?
0: Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I re- I respect the way that they do it. That's just not the way I like watching baseball. I'm just not a big fan of by everybody. And then I think San Diego's kind of going down that same route now as they're getting rid of the farm system and pulling in as the most big names they can.
1: Yep um it's uh, uh one of our other uh players in our uh on our team uh, uh haagen is a big yankees fan so he and i are always uh button heads a little bit in our uh, our sports channel all in good fun and, and good-natured fun of course uh kind of like um our uh uh I forget who we just recently signed. Uh, I think it was Mancharian. He's our third baseman. He's a Cubs fan. And as a Brewers fan, of course, he and I are mortal enemies. But uh, it's fun that we can like these different teams and all still go to the player uh, professional baseball experience uh, forums and Discord channels and, and all still you know, be joined together by our love of the sport of baseball. I think that's great, especially when, you know, there are other sports out there like uh, football that are much more popular in America and soccer, uh, which is much more popular worldwide, but we can still all come here and, and rally around a sport that uh, we really are passionate about for different reasons. Totally agree. So CJ, last time we talked on the, uh, on the Panda podcast, we talked about, what you wanted your player uh, to be, who you were emulating, and you said you wanted to be that bullpen guy that is just going to be perfect and, and throw uh, all the all the perfect pitches and get all the strikeouts. Uh, do you still see that as your goal going forward since the last time we chatted?
2: um, It's, it's, it's difficult because you obviously want to be a very good pitcher, but at the same time, like you said, perfection isn't always going to happen. Because if it did, everyone would strive for it. Well, everyone does, but, you know, it would be attainable. But it's not. Mm-hmm. It is still my goal. But uh, I obviously know that mistakes will be made. And I will continue to make mistakes because that's the nature of growing. And especially in a league like this where uh, you have plenty of teams that continue to dominate their well let's say conferences and really you know uh gun gun for that you know title you know it's it's challenging but you know i'm here for the challenge and um you know as of now that is still my goal but you know it could change you know anything could change so let's see what happens in the next uh two to three years give it give it that time
1: that's a great attitude to have, and as I'm always telling the players in the clubhouse, is that you just have to trust the process. You have to trust the process. You have to trust the process, and it's good to hear that you know you're you're buying into that because it's it's really important as a small market team uh, trying to grow young talent. Uh, people can get disillusioned or uh, worried or bummed out because we're not bringing in, you know, titles or playoff appearances, but uh, we've made some recent. Uh, changes. Uh, We've made some great signings of young talent uh, with haagen and with CJ. And we got Mio Hooper here uh, on the podcast, who's going to be a future star. I believe right now the plan is to call him up next season. Uh, We we talked about that. Yeah, Yeah, Mio?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So uh, uh, Jax Toussaint uh, is one of our current young pitchers right now. And he's having a, a rough season as he's a, a rookie that came out the gate and uh, it can be tough seeing your statistics and um, thinking to yourself man I'm just getting absolutely shelled here in the majors and this is a real bummer but at the... you
2: know but but that's where you gotta go through, you know so you know I've done it and so many people done too so as long as he realizes that there's room for improvement and there's room to grow and also realize that this season is really a test season for him because I can't really count it as a season if he's a rookie. <laughs> and, you know, you're competing with really tough yeah. teams. So yep. he's got to realize, you know, it takes it takes a lot of growth.
1: Oh, I'm not saying that his uh, personal attitude towards me is, uh, is that he's, you know, real bummed out. It's just that, uh, you know, I, I reached out to him and, and I wanted to make sure, you know, because I feel for these rookies that go out there and, and they are, are struggling uh, getting their uh, feet under them in the majors because, you know, they go out there and they've been doing really well in the minors and then they come up and all of a sudden you're playing against uh, batters with, you know, a thousand plus TPE on some of these uh, legacy you know, high-end teams like the sloths and, and the and the sea serpents. And, you know, it's just it's tough going out there even if you've got 500 TPE, 600 TPE. Until you hit those higher tiers, uh, they're going to find a ways to get uh, balls into play on you and uh, they're going to find a way to score runs. And so it can be tough, but you just have to trust the process. You have to see the bigger picture. You have to see... The moves that the surge are making in its uh, farm system to get these young players signed and acclimated and growing and you just have to keep submitting those updates you have to keep updating you have to keep improving and applying tpe to your player and as long as you keep doing that you're going to keep getting better you're going to keep getting better and you're going to find success eventually uh even if it comes out and it seems like oh man you know i just i gave up six runs in that last appearance that sucks It does suck, but next week's gonna be better. The next game's gonna be better. The next season's gonna be better. Just have to see the big picture, so. But going into that, so CJ, tell me about how you improved your player this week. What did you spend your TPE on to help make yourself into a better pitcher so that you can at least strive towards perfection? Not necessarily that you can reach it, but what did you improve on this last week?
2: So what I've realized and when I looked at the home page, I think I was still second at the time, but I'm yeah, still second in the strikeouts and all of the team. Obviously you are dominating literally every stat on the board, so uh so um what I did to uh improve my player was uh improve my movement and you talked about the on the podcast a week ago that movement is very crucial for a pitcher, especially, um, when you are throwing fastballs, uh, at the s- speed of a uh, hundred miles per hour. So movement and control, you know, it's uh very crucial to how you throw the ball and how, you know, the battle reacts. So I improved that. And, um, you know, this week I'm planning to improve my control law. So get that up a little bit more and, uh, the you know by end of probably the season i am gunning to get at least the movement and control part to around 60 uh so by next season i will probably be you know starting to uh enter my prime and gun you know for uh, a top place in you know in the league so yeah
1: awesome So, yeah, uh, we we talked a bit about last week uh, on the previous episode of the Panda podcast about the importance of movement uh, in the out of the park baseball engine and uh, how exactly it works. So I'm glad you took that advice to heart and uh, started pumping up that movement a little bit to improve uh, in that area. Let's go to Mio. So Mio, uh, if I understand correctly, the Ronis are in the running for a minor league series world uh, championship ring. Is that correct?
0: So far, cross our fingers.
1: All right, so tell me a little bit about this season playing for the Ranas, and uh, then you can tell me about how you've Uh, Improved your player over the course of this season. Uh, Since this is the first time we have you on the uh, podcast, I don't necessarily want to hear just about what you've been doing this past week. Although we can get a little bit into that if you'd like, but I want to hear about how the season started, what you've been working on in the minor league system with the Ranas, and how that's going to help you achieve a success—not just hopefully getting your ring in the World Series, uh, minor league World Series, but as you get the call up into the majors and where you're going to work from there.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Playing for the Ron have been, it's been awesome this year. A lot of hype in the locker room. Um, it's, it's really good knowing that you have a solid, a solid lineup and a solid pitching staff. So, you know, your guy goes out and has a bad outing. You have great, you know, support through the bats and your bullpen is going to be coming in and, can hold the you know shut the door for you if you have you know and vice versa you know you feel like you know your guy the bats are kind of you know slow that day and that you can hold them in till they start getting finding their feel so it's been a good it's been very solid top to bottom through the lineup I think we have almost every position except I think center field which I'm not going to give him too much shit but my my old man didn't make the All Star it was pretty much the only starter that didn't make it um yeah it's been really good i've been kind of updating my player in it's again i've kind of talked to this before it was a slow build so it's i wanted to get you know get that velocity up right away and then you gotta slowly get everything else kind of caught up with it um but i walked way too many people the first year so movement or i kind of made control focus um and then i went you know, kind of averaged everything else out and made movement kind of come up with it. So I've been kind of a slower average build all the way around. Um I've been I'm now maxed out for the minors, so everything's kind of just getting banked. So guy, I, I probably have to start looking more at what I'm going to do once I get called up next year and kind of where I want to put it. Um but yeah, so I'm kind of just more of I I've been focusing more on the low end stats. People that don't look at, you know, your war all factors in. I like to keep the whip down. Um, wins and loss to me. I don't really care about just because you could have a fluke here and there. Um, ERA whip and um, war are really big for me. Cause you could, I was three and 12 or three. And I think it was three and 12 last year, but my war was a positive. So It really just comes down to, you know, that shows me more than my record because you can pitch well and you just – games don't go your way.
1: Yeah, and it's funny you mention ERA uh, specifically and WIP. I think another stat you really need to look at as well is your uh, FIP or FIP, uh, which also is known as Fielding Independent Pitching. And that statistic specifically looks at how your – player is performing sans defense so basically things that are outside of your control like when a ball is put into play and say you know a play isn't made on it then that doesn't count against your FIP. and the reason i mention that is because one of our uh pitchers on the team of the buffalo surge right now uh apollo somerville uh he's our second man in the rotation He has an ERA this season of 6.85, record of 2-10, and a whip of 166, which sounds like a rough season entirely, but if you dig into some of the advanced stats, like FIP, you'll see that... Some of it is he's just getting screwed. <laughs> it, yeah. it, not to mince words here. So, for example, his fielding independent pitching rating is 3.5 this season. And FIP is supposed to be an estimator of what your ERA should be if you don't get hosed. And so he's got an additional 3.3-ish ERA over what his FIP uh, is saying he should be at. So his war is actually at a 1.4 this season, even with you know a 2 and 10 record and a 6.85 ERA. And the reason for that is because he's pitching well. <laughs> he's just getting uh, the the short on the stick all the time. So if you start running into a rough patch, take a look at that FIP statistic and and see where these things uh, are 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 happening? Why is your ERA increasing? You know, what, what exactly is the problem here? Because those advanced statistics can tell a lot that aren't available at first glance at some of the more basic stats.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of these analytical stats that are are being more and more popular nowadays. Some people just have a hard time getting into those, but if you take the time to get into them and really understand them, it does a world of difference to see kind of how you're, it almost paints a picture a lot better um, of your player's season. If you look at it like, okay, well, if you just look at ERA wins and strikeouts, look at it like you're looking at it like an 8-bit, right? In a video game, an 8-bit. But then you look at all the other advanced stats, you're looking at it more in like a, you know, modern graphics, you know, HD kind of style, right? Yeah. So you, you're painting yourself a bigger picture to really understand how your player is doing in the league rather than just focusing on like three stats that, you know, they look good at the time, but if you dive in could be luck or it couldn't, you know, you can be getting screwed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive a little bit into the engine that powers the professional baseball experience. Uh, I'm referring to out of the park baseball, specifically out of the park baseball 2021. Uh, currently we're on 2023 but uh we haven't quite made the switch over in the PBE yet into the newer engine of the game there's still testing and making sure that the when the flip switch is finally flipped that everything doesn't go tits up so l- let's talk a little bit about out of the park baseball and Mio your background with it so i think CJ you are also part of the SHL right or you were part of a different uh league besides uh uh PBE, right? Did, did you catch did you catch that question CJ? All right, well while he gets out of the wind tunnel there. So me uh Mio, you said you were uh, part of was it the SHL you said you were part of? Yep. Okay, so uh, what does the SHL use as its uh, engine for uh, uh, for its games?
0: Uh, Fantasy Hockey Manager. Um, I believe they we just moved to eight this year. I think we were on six, and then we skipped seven. Or then they were on eight this year. They just moved to the new engine this season.
1: And is that the same company that does Out of the Park Baseball?
0: Uh, I can't even off the top of my head. I don't know. I mean if you look at them both they looked the, they look the same so I want to say yes they're pretty much I would assume they're the same company but I'm not sure
1: okay I think they're the same company I, th- I think uh, I think they use the same one um, so you started there and then you moved into the PBE now do you play out of the park baseball are you familiar with it at all
0: um I not really I me and my family have tried doing like a GM. You know, you all of us assigned to a GM team and then kind of just play that. And we, that. I think the hardest part was just kind of doing the upload files and everyone getting on the same file and all that stuff. So it kind of kind of fell out of it pretty fast. I look at it here and there, um, but I wouldn't say I, I I play much with it. No.
1: Okay, so that's fine. I'm, that actually helps me uh, phrase my next question here. So this isn't a trick question or anything. I'm not trying to get you in a gotcha or something here. but so when you were recruited to join the PBE from the SHL, presumably there was somebody that recruited you to, to join over, uh, who, was that who was that individual?
0: Yeah, so my GM of my team right now, um, my major team that I got drafted by at the time, um it was dwight knight i honestly thought he was in the league Mm -hmm. (laughs) i thought he was in here i don't think he actually is i think he just knew about it as like a i think we um like a parent or a brother sister league kind of thing um he just told me about it and i took some i took his vice looked at it and saw it and i'm like yep absolutely and i know like i said me and my dad joined together um his player was gilbert hooper for the runners as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and hes I would say I'm like in the family, I'm like the hockey guru, but we all are just diving in every sport. Um, but he is the baseball guru. So I said, Hey, might, maybe we can go and try to give this a shot. Cause I know he's more of the baseball guy. So we, we joined the league and it's been a blessing ever since I've can't, I can't get enough of it.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I just got to say how cool it is that uh, you're doing this with your with your father. I, I just think that's really uh, a great way to not just spend time with your with your dad, but uh, it sounds like a lot of fun uh, to be uh, involved together. And uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate that going into the major leagues, at least starting, that you're not on the same team. But at the same time, that can be kind of cool to see uh, how they how your dad performs and how you perform, uh, at the, at the highest level of the professional baseball experience and have a little bit of not necessarily sibling rivalry, like you would see in, uh, you know, real baseball, but, uh, to see, you know, each other and, and be, uh, competitors uh, in the league. I think that's really neat.
0: Yeah. We're going to, there's definitely a rivalry going, I mean, family functions, it's going to be bragging rates for whoever, whoever's playing better. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, that's awesome. So when you when you decided to make your uh, starting pitcher uh, in the minor league of the PBE, you didn't know anything about out-of-the-park baseball. So how did you know what points to put your TPE into? Did you work with any individual on the team to, to get a build idea or uh, how, to, how to make uh, a new player?
0: I did. Um, I kind of had an idea, obviously, knowing a lot about baseball going in. I kind of had a vision of kind of how I wanted my guy. I knew fastball was going to be big for the flamethrower. Um, I knew a lot of off speed pitches to come, you know, accompany that fastball was going to really help. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did a lot of talking with, um, uh, I'm trying to blank off since C does it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think is the GM of the Seattle sea serpents. Um, and he's on the Rana's with me. Um, he's, an absolute guru when it comes to the pitching aspect. Um does a lot of research and sims to kind of get an idea how pitches react. He's I mean the man even re- even reads the the manual to kind of see how, you know, how they play, how each pitch plays and what stat and all that stuff. So we talked a lot about it before I I, I actually hit my first season with them. Mm-hmm. Um and it was a lot of research, kinda of like figuring out like this is your best bet for a flamethrower. This probably will give you the most ground ball percentage. This will help you a little more on the strikeouts. But so we kinda of, we kind of talked through it. Most of it, we both were pretty much on the same page of kind of how the pitches were gonna be. Like small things like um excuse me. Um small things like he said they're like putting like pitching in a certain like your number one pitch should be a change up it's going to give you the most min max it's going to you know your fastball is going to be there as being a flamethrower and having velocity so you want your number one pitch to be a change up and so on and so forth um and those builds have been simming better than other builds so stuff like that he kind of helped me tweak certain spots and kind of figure out what pitches i like sir like for instance i think a lot of people know circle changes are simming really really well right now so You know, stuff like that. Now, I went regular change because we talked about how it has a little bit more of an upside, you know, overall. Um, But yeah, yeah, he just kind of really gave me some tweaks, you know, having the baseball knowledge ahead of time helped. But then knowing how him knowing so much about how the sim works and what what, you know, tends to have a higher percentage and weight that really helped.
1: That's awesome. It's nice to find somebody in the minor leagues like that that can help you at least get your feet under you, especially when you don't have familiarity with the underlying system that the sim is run on out of the park baseball. So that's really cool that C Does It was willing to help you. And, and you know, he's a he's a great guy. Uh, I've worked with him in the past. Um, it uh, Our relationship started off a little rocky, <laughs> but uh, I think we patched things up and uh, he, he seems – really invested in making the league a good place to be and i have the same mindset so i think that's why we uh you know we we have come to an amicable place uh together so super awesome that you got to work with him in the minor leagues and uh i'm, I'm thrilled to hear that uh, he's willing to help even those that he's not directly gming so that's awesome mio cj do i do i hear you uh, out there have you got your audio issues fixed here yes all right wonderful I just want to make sure that you're able to uh, jump in here because what I want to do is dive in a little bit further with Mio about his player and what C does it told him about what the various attributes do and what his understanding of them are and uh, how they work so I want you to be able to ask questions and, and speak up if you want further clarification or have any questions too so for this next uh Uh, Section of the panda pod and I promised I wouldn't do pop quizzes here, but I'm a liar So Mio, let's do some pop quizzes. But before we get into that uh, right now, you have a three Pitch repertoire of change up followed by curveball followed by fastball What do you have planned for pitches four and five? Can we get a little bit of insight into what the future of your player holds?
0: That is a very good question because I've been kind of deciding that too, um, you know mentally I kind of like was looking at something more along the lines of like a cutter sinker. Um, I wanted to keep something that doesn't follow too closely to a straight fastball and something that isn't too slow as already having two off speed pitches. So really kind of getting something that's in between to keep batters guessing like a sinker cutter, something like that, that can still get velocity, but have movement on it to really help kind of deviate and make it harder for uh, batters to really kind of catch on to certain pitches. Mm -hmm. Um, So right now I kind of would lean, you know, towards um, the cutter, but there, the, the the sinker is still an option. I mean, he may, maybe a split finger Mm -hmm. is an option too. So those are the ones I'm looking at right now. Um, going forward but i have definitely have to kind of kind of still got to get an idea which because i don't know maybe next are we you know possibly moving to 23 next year and then how do those play which ones you know plays sims better than the other so that's always an option but yeah those are probably the three cutter sinker and split uh split finger are the three that i'm looking at to add for the next pitch right now
1: all three great ideas uh, and additions to your pitch repertoire. Uh, and the reason for is because all three of them are technically fastballs. And that plays really well with a flamethrower starting pitcher because the more of those fastball-type pitches that you have that add a little bit of tweak on things, uh, that's going to you know work um synergistically with your high velocity of 98 to hundred miles an hour. So the split fingers fastball that drops like a stone or the sinker that, uh, has, you know, a little bit of drop there, or the cutter with a little bit of, you know, movement on it, all great, uh, synergistic pitches with your, um, you know, with you, with your velocity. Uh, same with your fastball, of course. That's going to be your primary heater, and then that changeup is uh, going to be your big strikeout pitch. And that's uh, indeed why you want to have it as your as your number one. You, you got to have that pitch that's going to get somebody uh, on an two, you know, one two 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 count, um, and a curveball for a little bit of trickiness in there. I, I think you you're right on the right track on how to build your your starting pitcher. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about uh, movement. We talked about velocity and how that synergizes with the pitches. It it directly affects how fast you throw your pitches. That's pretty obvious, right? But let's talk about movement. So when C. Does It was working with you on your uh, pitcher creation, did he explain what uh, movement or control uh, do uh, for your player? Uh, What what are are your understanding of those attributes in the -the out-of-the-park baseball engine?
0: Yeah, I mean, we kind of went through a little bit. Obviously, you know, control, I think, was our main focus initially. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a lot. I mean, your stuff kind of is like a variation of the movement, what your pitch rating is. So you're going to have a high stuff rating, um, just building up your certain pitches and then the movement along with it. So it kind of helps that area. So we knew you can kind of – the stuff is going to be there. It's, you know, the, the control is – Needed. You don't want to walk. I mean, walking is only going to lead to you losing more stamina, which leads to going less innings and all that stuff. So control was probably the main focus right away. Um And I think I moved into movement next. I think we kind of did a – I think I did movement to I get uh, opposite hand. So I'm a righty. So I wanted movement to left to be a focus and then get my my curveball fastball up um and then upgrade my control and then movement to right-handed pitch right-handed and then finish off with just stacking the curve the change up to max so those were kind of like that's the kind of the route we we decided that that would be the best sim for the three pitches i had um obviously it worked real well knowing that, you know, the first season was rough. The second season has been really good. So that's kind of the, probably the mentality I'd probably move in going. Once I unbank, it's just probably going to go movement, um, first lefties and then get my pitch types up and then control and then finish off movement against lefties.
1: Okay. So, um, one thing uh, that you mentioned there about uh, movement uh, correlating into stuff is, I don't know if it's a misconception or, or maybe you misspoke or, or maybe I misheard, but um, so stuff is your uh, a combination of your pitches and it's combined with velocity. So for example, fastballs are give a bonus to stuff based on how many points you put into it. And then that is, I don't know if it's added or multiplicative or how it works behind the scenes with Out of the Park, but essentially, if you have high velocity, the fastball gets a better bonus. And that works with all fastball-esque pitches, like the cutter, like the splitter, like the sinker. The fastball, I believe, has the highest um, uh, factor, uh, in a, takes velocity into consideration at the highest factor. But movement is not included in your stuff calculation necessarily. Uh, Stuff is how you put all your pitches together, so it's combined with movement and how many points you put into each individual pitch. And that's going to help your strikeout rating, essentially, is uh, how good your stuff is. Now, movement specifically, when you think about it, is the movement on the ball as you pitch it which might be why uh, the misconception is that movement directly correlates to stuff because in real life baseball, if a pitcher has dirty movement on a pitch and it makes it impossible to hit, you know, that makes the that in real life, you would say that guy's got great stuff. Look at the movement on that slider or that movement on that changeup, right? So that's why I think people have the misconception that movement directly ties into stuff, but it in fact does not. Movement simply is the, perce- it, it, affects how many home runs you give up. So movement really only means that the more movement you have, the fewer home runs you are going to give up, and it's a direct correlation. And I think, I don't know how the game is programmed, of course, I'm not a a programmer, but uh, my assumption is that it's based on uh, their contact rating and how, when they make solid contact on the ball when it dies on the vine. So think about movement really rather than uh, how the ball moves when you pitch it, but think about, you know, like an extreme fly ball pitcher in professional baseball, how somebody just hits a rocket on the, you know, puts great contact on the ball and the ball goes sailing into the sky and everybody thinks it's going to get out of the park, but you just watch it up there and it just seems to die and drop right into the you know, center fielder's glove at the warning track. That's what movement uh, equates to in out of the park baseball. So, so it pretty much limits like, like, um, X, what is it? X fib
0: pretty much like the, your, um, hard, hard hit balls in play. Exactly. So move movements pretty much just gonna like, okay, well, they might hit it, but it limits the power and contact quality of the pitches that get hit.
1: Yeah, so I'm not sure exactly how the math works uh, under the scenes, and I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that actually does outside of the -the out-of-the-park developments team. (laughs) But uh, it it directly correlates to the amount of home runs uh, hit against you. So the higher movement you have, the fewer dingers you're gonna allow. So that's why it's an important statistic. Now, that said, starting pitchers can be really good and still give up that solo shot dinger every once in a while. It's not the end of the world if you allow, you know, a home run. You have two runs to work with before you're even out of quality start territory, right? And when I was talking with CJ South in the last Panda podcast, we talked about the difference between, uh, you know, starting pitchers and relief pitchers. And one of the big things about relief pitchers and how they're different between starting pitchers is that that solo shot dinger could be the difference between a win and a loss when you come in in relief. Because if you are leading by one or if you have a tie game and that relief pitcher gives up a home run, it impacts the team in a much greater way than a starting pitcher if they give up. You know a, a couple solo shot dingers right even if you allow say you know three back-to-back-to-back home runs wow you feel like that really sucks but it's still just a three-run game you know and you have time over the course of those nine innings to catch up so it's not as big of a deal now that's to say I, you know you don't want your starting pitchers giving up home runs all over the place that's not what I'm saying don't, don't, ta- don't take it that way but at the same time control especially early on in the starting pitchers career is more important than really high movement because if you don't allow those batters on base they can't hurt you and getting your stuff up high so you get those k's to make sure that you get out of those innings that's really important too we can give up a home run or two that's okay you know as i said you got two runs uh, it's expected for a quality start. You're going to give up two home runs and get through six innings. And if you can do that, even if you give up two solo shot home runs, not a big deal. So movement directly correlates to the number of home runs you have. And as I said, I'm not a mathematician, not a programmer, don't know exactly how out of the park does it, but that's directly how the engine works. Movement is correlated with amount of home runs that you give up as a player. So does that, does yeah, that, make, kind of, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So one of my favorite, um, players in baseball. Josh Hader just went to the Padres, which you mentioned acquiring talent, being a fan of a small market team sucks ass. So, Josh, away goes Josh Hader. Josh Hader had a really uh interesting way of pitching because his balls would die in the vine just like that every time. He would rear back and whip the ball at about 98, to 100 miles an hour. And, you know, they would hit it, and the ball would go flying into the outfield, and everybody gets on their feet and cheers. And then you just watch it you know, die right there on the vine, and then, whoop, drop right down into, you know, Lorenzo Cain's glove or whoever's playing center field. and it, Those balls would just hang up there, go sky high, hang, and then fall down. So movement does not correlate to stuff. It correlates to home runs given up, so little uh little info dump for, for you and CJ and anybody else listening to the Panda podcast. So thank you for listening.
0: Makes sense to me. I I mean it sucks to hear hater leave, but that helps me out when I have Devin Williams in my fantasy team.
1: <laughs> Devin Williams is an all-star and a great pitcher. So definitely um definitely excited to see him come into his own sucks to see good players leave but that's baseball and there's no crime yeah. in baseball let's talk about control uh, what what uh, what was your interpretation of control coming from uh, C does it
0: oh yeah he kind of just exactly what you said it it really helps early on um, in the minors for sure really limit you know your pitch count limits people getting on base because yeah, you're right. You're going to, you're going to give up that home run. It's just not giving up that home run when you've walked two people before it. So yeah. um, it really controls more of just really helping keep the whip and keep um, your pitch count down to help with going deeper in the games in my, I mean, he kind of briefly went over it more as like, it's going to help you keep, you know, the ERA down because you're not giving up two or three run homers. You're giving up a, a solo shot. So that's kind of how he went into it. I look at it more same aspect is also, but I look at it like it's keeping my pitch count. I'm going deeper in games. I'm helping teams so they don't blow the bullpen in one game. All that kind of factors in on just throwing less pitches and having more of a a control and more strike percentage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head in a starting pitcher. And I think really a, a good way to build um, a, a pitcher is you want to get that control high. I don't think you need it max necessarily. You you'll eventually want to max the course, but I'm just saying it, over the over the course of a player's career, I think you want to get control pretty high. Then you want to start working on stuff until it gets to be about the almost 100 range, maybe 90s. Uh, then you want to start working on movement, and then you know once your movements pretty good, maybe in the um, I don't quite know where you'd want it. Maybe in the, in the high sixties, low seventies. Um, then you want to, uh, you know, finish working up your stuff. And, um, Oh, shit, I forgot to tell you to max uh, control. But I think you're on the right path. Uh, It's a long story short here. Get control pretty high. Start working on stuff. uh, Finish out control. Then uh, work on movement more. And, and, you know, if you have any questions on what to put your points into next, I'm obviously happy to assist uh, you in, in making sure you're maximizing your player or or as C does it. You know he's great too. Maybe you've got each and every TPE point planned from here to the end of time. But if you have any questions, uh, I've got some pretty good experience with the out of the park engine, and would be happy to assist in any way I can. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, kind of did the same thing with C does it, and just have it spend some time, kind of like mapping out where the TPE roadmap for your next couple seasons are going to look. You know, we kind of like hey. Let's focus this one, then this one, then this one, this one, and this one, and this one. And then kind of get that map to kind of at least give you a broad idea of what where you want to go with it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, that's why movement is so important on uh, flamethrower pitchers especially. Uh, not to rewind the conversation too far, but one statistic for pitchers that uh, might you might gloss over is ground ball percentage. Flamethrower pitchers are fly ball pitchers by necessity. When the bat is put on the ball and that ball goes into the air, it's going to go deep, but you don't want it to go out of the park. So that's why the movement is important, especially in uh, flamethrower pitchers. Now, a ground baller pitcher, somebody like a junk baller, their ground ball percentage is going to be higher Uh starting pitchers for flamethrowers are at about 51% ground ball, I think. I don't remember what the ground ball percentage is for junk ballers, but it's much higher, uh, maybe in the 60s. So they're going to be the kind of pitcher that when contact is put on the ball, it's going to be maybe a line drive or a, you know, a ground ball more often than not. And that's a percentage that's calculated into the the out-of-the-park engine and is not affected by any of the points that you put into anything. Only by picking an archetype can you change your ground ball percentage. So that's why movement's really important in those fly ball pitchers like uh, the flamethrower. And uh, for a junk baller, uh, you you know, you're gonna see more ground balls, balls put in play in double plays, but you're gonna also see more strikeouts. So that's kind of the difference in those two archetypes. Uh, control freak archetype has higher control uh, which is self-explanatory they're going to walk fewer batters so that's kind of the difference between the three uh, pitching archetypes as far as an out of the park uh, engine uh, standard uh, is concerned really we could spend an entire podcast talking about these nuances but we've only got five minutes left of this episode of the panda pod so before i talk myself to death here i want to open the floor to you two and see if you have any questions for me so let's start with uh, CJ CJ you've been quiet for a bit Uh, are there any questions that you have uh, that you want me to answer it could be about out-of-the-park baseball it could be about the PBE your player my player or life in general Uh, open open floor anything you want to ask me
2: give me a second um
1: all right, we'll let you think about it. Let's let's jump to Mio then. So, Mio. All right,
2: well, I got it.
1: You got it? All right, let's hear it. Yeah.
2: Um You say you support the Brewers, right? That's right. So because obviously I'm not really a baseball fan. They're playing against the Reds right now. That's right. It's fine. <laughs> um what what's your expectations for the Brewers? like this year because you know it's different because I would say that, that um both divisions are very tough and uh you know last season you were first in your uh division so what's your expectation for Milwaukee
1: great question thank you for asking my expectation for the Milwaukee Brewers is to put forward good teams that outplay their market conditions Uh, growing up as a Brewers fan we've sucked for years under David Stearns we've turned the program into something that is consistently a winning program Uh, I'm not gonna pretend that if we don't win the division we're gonna make the playoffs there's just too many good teams out there that would deserve it more than us if we didn't win the division so we have to win the division uh, if we're going to have a shot at the playoffs. That means we need to make sure we stay ahead of the Cardinals. The Cardinals are a great team, uh, but the Brewers are a great team too. Yes, we lost Josh Hader, but we padded out a few weak spots in the bullpen, namely in those middle relief innings. Got Rogers, who I believe with our pitching lab, which I think is the best in the nation, Uh, hopefully can help get him back into, you know, right his ship that seems to be wavering a little bit. And at his best, he is just as good as a Josh Hader. Maybe not as good, but still a very good pitcher. Devin Williams, all-star in his own right. So I think the trade of Josh Hader into, you know, future forward looking with prospects helped us. I wish we could have acquired a bat, but based on what I've been hearing The economics of the trade just weren't there. My specific expectations is I want to win and I want to try to get into the playoffs. What that means is winning this division and getting hot at the right time. Uh, And I believe, based on previous seasons, that October is when the Brewers really come alive. We call it Craigtober because we're really hot consistently around that time. Last season was not as hot as usual, but we had started the season so good that it didn't matter that we got cold but we got cold at the right time baseball is about getting lucky and getting lucky at the right time i think if we can pull it together win the division and be hot at the right time we do have a shot not to be a one and done and that's what i'd really like to see do i expect it not necessarily but i would love to see it thank you for the question mio floor is open to you now well i have a
0: couple i have two questions the first one since we're on the brewer situation the question for you would be: Do you think Yelich is going to get back to a thirty-plus run season?
1: Home runs, no. Uh, I don't believe so. The power just is not there right now. Uh, ever since his kneecap was shattered, he's been a different player, and it's been really heart-wrenching to see. Uh, he had the MV. He had a All-Star season with the Marlins. He came to the Brewers, had an MVP season, and then right at the height. He took that ball to the knee and it was just so sad to see him uh what uh, equated to a shell of his former self coming out there and playing every day and say uh,
0: didn't he have didn't he have like what was it like 44 in 2019 shattered his knee and and was it 2020 and then just then never came back I don't think he's gotten over 15 since mm-hmm.
1: yep Uh, I don't know the stats Ah. offhand, but that's what it feels like for sure. And it's just really sad because I love Yelich. He's got an infectious personality. Uh, It's almost like watching Andrew McCutcheon, another player I really love. It's just a a good baseball player, somebody that you can't help but smile when they're out there having fun. And and the biggest problem is that it didn't look like Yelich was having fun. He was going out there, striking out, and basically stinking up the joint. And it was really a bummer to see. So I don't think, to answer your question, we're going to see 30 home runs out of him but what we have seen is that moving him to a leadoff position has drastically improved his play so he previously batted third which contrary to popular belief is actually not a very good spot to bat it's a, a spot that a bad not a bad batter but uh your fourth or fifth best batter goes you want one two four and then three and five, and then six, seven, eight, nine. That's kind of how the lineup works for baseball, at least according to modern analytics and statistics. So he was batting third. Many people said, oh, you know, push him back further. Um, I but you put Yelich at six, seven, eight? I don't think so. I thought third was a good spot. But Craig Council shocked the fan base by doing the complete opposite. He moved him into leadoff batting position. And everybody said, Okay, well we'll see if this this is gonna suck. It did not. In fact, Yellich in his new leadoff position, is batting. It uh, is batting at, I believe, 350, and has a 500 on base percentage. So he is getting on base 50% of the time at leadoff and batting at an all star capability. He's done tweaks with his footwork and how he squares up and, and looks at the balls. Uh, baseball is a mental game. I don't think anybody you asked who is going to say anything opposite of that. Uh, and so having Yelich go out first, uh, he says that especially away, he likes to be the first guy out there so he can set the tone not only for himself but for the team. So he likes to be out there, not get in his head, just see the first ball and go after it. And so I think that uh, improvement, while... Not hitting home runs, as I said, his slugging percentage is still not great, but as far as leadoff goes, getting on base 50% of the time is just a huge turnaround for a player that uh, after his injury was so disappointing. So no, we're not going to get 30 home runs, but if he can continue getting on base 50% of the time, I have no qualms about his performance. That's very fair. You said you had two questions, Mia.
0: Oh, yes. Um so kind of bringing it back to the PBE. Um how is the team looking right now with like inactives to actives and what's the what's the plan going forward in the next couple like drafts? What's the what's the big moves? I mean, like what's your are we looking at trying to maybe acquire more picks to fill those spots or find them in all uh, find them elsewhere in free agency
1: yeah great question so the surge looking forward We don't have any real picks for Season 25. Before I took over as head coach, uh, some trades were made that got rid of the majority of our Season 25 picks in the hopes that the assets would pan out, and they unfortunately did not. So essentially, we've given away all of our S25 picks, and so we don't have much of anything. My hope is that because of that, we have plenty of cap space, and maybe we can jump in for the right player and get picks for cap space. I don't want to trade future picks for uh, S35 picks, but my phone is always open and I'll answer any calls. You know, I never say no to a trade before hearing the details of it. But just thinking about it, that's my. Assumption is that I don't want to trade future picks for current pitch because that just kicks the cam down the road And doesn't solve the underlying problem So I think that's the biggest uh, challenge that we're and hurdle. We're gonna have to overcome is the s35 pick situation Going forward uh, as far as inactives go. We've got a great uh, core group of actives There are only one or two people that are a little bit on the fence and we're padding up some of our bullpen right now with uh, inactives And our starting pitching rotation with inactives if we take care of uh, calling you up we're gonna have all actives in our starting rotation which is fantastic the bullpen uh, with CJ uh, South uh, who is on the call with us today and dr. Hugo Hackenbush is gonna have two great stoppers out there and I think we may need another piece or two there, although we do have some people in our farm system. I think going forward, we're going to be looking at drafting position players on the infield. Uh, we just have a fresh face to play center field, a young prospect, a defensive center fielder, which I think is important, uh, not only in uh, real baseball, but out of the pocket baseball as well so i think our outfield looks okay i think really going forward we're going to have to be looking at drafting uh, infield positions and maybe another bullpen piece or two that said the contracts that we've been signing are all front loaded which means that we're paying our prospects more now to get them acclimated into the league spend their money get more money and that way down the line when we do have a full roster that looks like it could go the distance, we'll have plenty of cap space available and accessible to us to pick up those key free agents that may lead to us getting a, a ring down the road. So hopefully that answers your question.
0: No, absolutely. I know we have Kyle Atwater who was with me with the Ranas. Is he staying, because he was a starter for the Ranas.
1: is he staying middle relief or relief bullpen kind of? I believe Atwater has decided that he doesn't want to continue with the PBE, but we'll see if he decides uh, gotcha. or changes his mind or not. Um, either way, uh, is you know, it's it's his decision, and we'll see which one he makes. So, and that was one of the one or two inactives that I was referring to. Okay, gotcha. So uh, with that, uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. I really appreciated having you both on here. CJ, thank you. Mio, thank you. Really uh, enjoyed our conversation. And thank you to all the listeners out there for listening to episode two of The Panda Pod.
0: Thanks for listening. If you are not yet a member of PBE and would like to learn more, visit us online at
2: www.probaseballexperience.jcink.net.